Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today is... Beth Mantle. Hey, y'all. And... Tim Foss, what's up? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Look at that. Like, Almost, like oh. we've been talking to each other for years. Like, exactly. Just like we planned it. So, uh, not the newsiest show today, but it's Friday and we wanted to get recorded for a little while. So, we wanted to get together. This might be, maybe, I guess it's not our last chance of the preseason. We may have a show next week. Uh, around the big February 16th announcement, which we'll get to a little bit later. But uh, this is maybe the last time that we really have to talk about preseason uh, because a week from now, the centers are going to be playing, have played their first game, uh, first competitive game. How did that sneak up on us? Yeah, it kind of, it really has sort of snuck up on us. Uh, It it feels like this was a very short off season, uh, a really short preseason. And this, and I think what, what hurts or what adds to that is that none of these games, Sounders have played technically, I guess, five, depending on how we count them, five preseason games, but two of them were like split squad or three, four of them were split squads. I don't know how you do the, the math on that, but they had three dates. Counting is really hard. They had three dates that they played games on um, and they played have five games. Have won on any of them yet? No, they haven't won any of them. They, I think they only tied two. Okay, uh, they're they're saving that for the real ones. I, right. I appreciate it. They they've at least scored goals in the last three of them, or maybe not the last day. They've scored goals in three of their last four, I believe. I don't know. We haven't been able to watch any of this stuff. We just have highlights, and we only have highlights of some of the games, and they're from a low angle. Not a lot that we can assess, frankly. No, not really. Except I thought Jordan Morris, which is encouraging. Even just the sight of Jordan Morris. Sota Kitahara did two spin moves against Colorado. I know that happened. Yeah, he did. He did. I Uh, think Raul scored a goal. Two. Ah, two. Oh my God. He's like halfway to the golden boot already. Right. Yeah. So maybe not half, maybe like 10% of the way. Yeah. And what's further adding to this sort of unsettled nature of this preseason is that it was only this week that the Sounders finally got anything close to their ideal 11 together and then even yesterday when they played they didn't have them all on the field knew who still i guess is getting maybe is now with the team but he wasn't there yesterday joe uh, paulo didn't play in the game yesterday both of those were for good reasons though because i believe they now have their green cards correct right that's our understanding is that they they both have their green cards and but we alex Roldan was there uh javier Arriaga, i think was there he played, right? Yes. Jamar so. Gomez Andrade played as well. 
Christian played and Jordan played. And those are all good. That's all good news. And but- Nico. Oh my God. We forgot about Nico. Nico Ladero. He played he, soccer. He, yes, he did. He's alive. He has two legs and they both work. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, at least they're getting everyone kind of together. And uh, Albert, our new friend. And Albert has been playing in every game. Raul has been playing, I think, in every game. So it's not all bad. You know, it's not all bad news, but it's been disjointed, I guess, is the point I'm driving at here. Is this has been a very disjointed preseason, in part because we had so many players missing for international duty and for green card purposes and for all these other things. And it'll be interesting if that ends up being good or bad, because I think on the good side, you can argue that a lot of these players will be more fit because they've been either playing competitive games already, or they have been training at a high level because they've been training with groups that were playing competitive games. So, you know, uh, Ariaga didn't play, but he was training with Ecuador during World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Jamar didn't play uh, a ton, but he was playing with, he was training with Colombia during around as they were getting ready for world cup qualifiers uh knew who actually was playing at a very high level uh i don't know if we've had a chance to talk about knew who no. shutting down mo salah like without any hyperbole gets the better of mo salah in the semifinals no the yeah the, yeah the semifinals yeah. right yeah i think so yeah it was they lost the game but uh, it was in penalties and mo salah did nothing he had absolutely how dare they not let knew who take a penalty huge disappointment i think like that would have caused it would have been like some chain event that would have caused some like crazy eruption somewhere if he had taken it but like i think it would have been worth it it absolutely would have been worth it and they, they couldn't have done any worse anyways yeah like <laughs> yeah cameroon did not cover themselves in glory during that penalty shootout they did however in the third place game go to a penalty shootout and win so a little and bit they of came a back from three zero down yeah that match was crazy yeah, uh, knew who did not play in that game, unfortunately. But he still got his medal, so he got his medal. Uh, but knew who was sort of the talk of the preseason in a lot of ways. He went from being a player who I don't know that his starting spot was secure at going into this preseason, and without ever playing for the Sounders, I think he is now the locked-in starter at that position. In the part, locked-in beca- starter until he gets sold for millions of dollars. Right, exactly. Uh, in part because the Sounders traded Brad Smith, which we talked about on our last show. Uh, in in part because Jimmy Madranda apparently is not fit right now. Uh, but I think the biggest reason is that Nuhu just balled out at at Africa Cup of Nations, and you know it, it's not that hard to imagine him playing similarly well in World Cup qualifying helping get Cameroon to the World Cup, and suddenly his stock is super high, especially if he plays well. Like I mean, he's going to have a lot of showcase opportunities. He's going to be playing in Champions League. Sounders do well in Champions League. They're going to have league play. He's going to have World Cup qualifying. He just had this tournament against uh, some very, very good players uh, in the African Federation, uh, not the least of which is arguably the best offensive player in the world. Uh, there's a lot to like about knew who's trajectory right now yeah i think we you know it's the comparison has been made elsewhere but deandre yedlin built a move to tottenham hotspur off of much less than much much much. knew who has done in the time he's been with the sounders let alone 
what he could do with the AFCON coupled with the next, you know, four to six months of further international play and uh, play with the Sounders. And I mean, Yedlin basically made his move off of one gif of a play where he shut down Eden Hazard. Yeah. And knew who did much worse things to Mohamed Salah for repeatedly 120 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I love how Nuhu had all of the success being his most Nuhuist form. It wasn't right. like he kind of tamped down the chaos. Like he fully, he lunged into it. It was as Nuhu as Nuhu gets. And he found success in that. And that's very fun to watch. He had an overhead Nuhu clearance. The, he had a classic shielding the, ball. To yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, Nuhu at the AFCON is sort of like a, a mythic story of a hero who's existence was prophesied ages ago who's (laughs) built specifically for the demands of the moment and that moment was the african cup of nations and that hero was nuhu who is the exact kind of chaos that thrives in that tournament yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun to watch him play uh he had a few sort of real standout performances. And even when he wasn't standing out, he was not doing anything bad. Like you, he, at no point did he seem to regress. Uh, And so like, that's a, that's great. If he can get to the point where his standout performances are world, you know, like, and I don't, I I don't say this lately. I think you could say that the performance against Salah was world-class. You can argue with whether or not he's a world-class player, but I think that performance was world-class and, you know, and then his, his, less impressive performances are just like he sort of blends into the background. Like that's what you want out of a defender. Uh, and, and he, he didn't get forward a ton, but this is not his game. And I think the more he realizes that that's probably better for him, it's better for the Sounders. He and I think that's realize made... that until he scores a goal though, he has to get one and then he can realize that he needs to like stay back. Right. But that goal can come late in garbage time when, you know, when the result is not in question, like that's, I think that's what, that's the best case scenario, right? Like we don't need him charging forward in the 35th minute to, you know, come in, get on the side of a, a, of a, a weak side cross. I think it's also, you know, I, I wrote a review of his first game at the AFCON or first couple games. And I, think to some extent it continued throughout the tournament but it wasn't necessarily that he didn't get forward because he seemed to cover every inch of grass or meters if you're outside of the united states i suppose but every centimeter of grass was covered by nuhu on that left side he just wasn't doing it to try to play the final ball or run into the box unless it was some goofy thing on a set piece or at the end of the game he I think those are things he can bring over to playing with the Sounders especially if you know he's playing with a like if Rusnak is playing on the left side and is playing somewhat inverted Nuhu can keep covering that touch line and making sure that anybody playing on his side of the field for the other team just has the worst day of their life but when he gets the ball he can have an easy pass to someone who's going to do something with it where I think the issue in the past has been knew who gets the ball. And then there's not, there's not another person for him to give it to. He's kind of in the position where he has to do something. And 
that's not that's not what he wants and that's not what we want him to have to do that's when you get the trademark new who arm flail where you can just tell that he's disappointed that no one's there for him to pass to he just wants his friends i think we did see a few of those in avcon though where he was like wildly gesturing which oh yeah i can appreciate he's still new who he definitely still he was very bit new who i think that was what was encouraged that was the most encouraging thing is that it wasn't like he dramatically changed his game it's just that i think he's figured out maybe when to to let it to let his freak flag fly uh as they say i don't think the team will necessarily need this but i do think that this could be a good source of motivation for them to use with Nuhu. that now that he's performed so well on a high on a high stage that they can use that to be like you keep performing like this and you go to cameroon with world cup qualifiers and you come back to the sounders and keep doing this like there are going to be more opportunities for you as long as you keep performing at a high ceiling i feel like Maybe that will go well with his ethos and the club's ethos and end well for everyone. Well, I think the message probably has to be is the way you get attention is by that performance in AFCON. The way you keep that attention and then the way you really get yourself sold. And it's just really the kind of the way that that Yedlin did. Like, because Yedlin wasn't Yedlin's performance in the World Cup did not come out of nowhere. Like you said, Nuhu has a much larger resume, but Yedlin had also performed very well for the Sounders, which is how he ended up getting to the World Cup. And I think that the Sounders can kind of use that as a as a template and say, like, look, as great as you were, if you come back to the Sounders and you look like garbage, that's what people are going to focus on. They're going to they're going to think you're, you know, you sure you can do it once, but they want to know that you can do it every day. And I think that's a great motivational tool. It's a great thing to be able to show him. I don't think it's a hard sell and just say, like, come in, perform for three or four months for us. And if good offers come in, you know, we're, we'll make sure that we take care of you. And, um, and I, and I, I would imagine new who will respond to that. Yeah. I think in the last podcast, we touched on what would happen if after losing Brad Smith, we also lost new who, and that seems even more apparent that that will probably happen. Um, and we'll probably need at least another left back. I believe, Jeremiah, you had some kind of scoop on a move that did not pan out in that yeah, arena. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so the Sounders, I, I found out this. You may have heard Ryan Hollingshead, who is a left back for FC Dallas, got traded to LAFC. He got traded for Marco Farfan, who I I thought that the trade was outrageously uh, lopsided. I think Ryan Hollingshead is arguably the top left back in the league. Marco Farfan is like a league average starter at best, I think. And, and I was a little surprised that they got traded straight up for one another. Uh, and I was asking around and I found out the Sounders actually were in for Ryan Holling, Ryan Hollingshead. Uh, they didn't quite have the package that, that Dallas was looking for, which I guess was a younger player who they could like the Sounders, I think probably either value their younger players too high or their younger players are not like, of the interest of interest to to Dallas, which doesn't really surprise me. Like I would have been disappointed if the Sounders traded Josh Atencio for Ryan Hollingshead or Danny Leva. Those are that would seem to be in the wrong direction. But I'm sure, like if the Sounders had been able, to, I don't know if they were able to get Hollingshead for Jimmy Madrana, that would have been a great great deal. Uh, not really surprised that Dallas wouldn't go for that, especially since Madrana seems to be hurt right now. But yeah, that would have been a nice that would have been a nice piece to add. Um, although I, I do think in the short term, Kellen Rowe looks like he might be a okay third choice uh, left back. Uh, you know, and and 
And who knows? He might even be the starting left back. <laughs> He's going to get cyber bullied so hard for this. Well, I don't know. I, I wonder if I, I do wonder if he's playing as a fullback. I wonder if the cyberbullying will be diminished because the expectations for fullbacks are seemingly lower, right? I don't know play. that the cyberbullying has anything to do with where he is on the field. It has to do with him being on the field. It's so weird, isn't it? It's weird, right? It, it is. It is weird. It's one of the things that I'm just not looking forward to about this season. Like there are very few things, but that's one of them. I got real tired of it last season. And if we could like leave it in preseason, that would be great. The the thing that I find so strange about the Kellen Rowe discourse is that it seems so out of like, out of, out of whack. Like it just doesn't feel like it's balanced. Like, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't like, no, he's not an all-star, but it's pretty obvious that he's, when he's starting, it's usually pretty obvious why he's starting. Like, sure, there is some frustrations that, like, you could probably find a handful of times when he started over a perfectly healthy Josh Atencio. And I, sure, I wanted to see Atencio a little bit more too, but, like, he got a fair amount of playing of, of playing time. Uh, same I also thing with don't Danny think Leva. Kellen's probably out here trashing Josh Atencio to get in the starting lineup. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily on him. Right, right. Uh, it just, I don't know. Do, do, do we have any real insight into wh- where does this go? Like people convince themselves that he's actively horrible. And I'm just, I, I watch these games just like everyone else. And I'm not seeing the active negative play that is getting people so fired up. I, feel I mean, like people you are go always ahead, looking, people are always looking for something to be mad at. And I don't think we've had anything off the pitch to necessarily be really frustrated with the club at. And so I feel like he ends up kind of being a scapegoat for the people that want to go counterculture and be mad at something, um, which isn't a great reason to be mad at something, but what can you do? I, I think there's a degree to which like similarly to Javi where the reality is that they don't make very many mistakes but the ones that they do tend to be like there is an image from one of the games that is burned into my mind of Roe getting the ball on a corner maybe that had sort of recycled out and he was the one of the last men back and okay yeah took, I remember like, this one I one one too many touches before trying to play the ball back into the area and the ball he tried to play got blocked and the other team either scored or got a really good chance on a breakaway from that play that like if that happens from anyone else at any other point in the game it just is a thing that happened and no one thinks about it but if Kellen Rowe does it or Javi does a similar thing or if Nuhu does a similar thing it becomes like the worst thing anyone has ever done and they should not only be benched but have their contract terminated and Garth Lagerway should be fired for having signed the contract in the first place and it seems to there always has to be a player on the team for some reason who gets that horrible kind of attention for a time it was Brad Evans why it has to be dudes who seem to be genuinely good guys who can play every position um well, i don't have an answer for that but it happens i mean it was and it was alex rolled on for a while too that uh these players who 
I think fans convince themselves they're only playing because they're the, the, the coach's favorite for whatever reason. And it, and in reality, a lot of times it's just that they're versatile players that they can plug into a bunch of different positions. And like Kellen Rowe is not an, an optimal starter. I think we can all agree with that. And I don't want to turn this into a Kellen Rowe podcast. And I, and I think a lot of people see that maybe he played 34 games. He, he's the only player who played all 38 games. Clearly the reason for that is because he was one of the only guys who was healthy for all 38 games. If they could have cloned Kellen Rowe and played him in multiple positions, I think they would have at that point. Like we were in real dire straits there. Yeah. And, and I'll admit like 24 starts is probably more than you want to give Kellen Rowe. But like, I think you, again, you got to put that into context of he was almost always starting for someone else who was hurt. And maybe literally every time, like, I don't think he was the first choice starter at any point in the season. And I, I think we sort of have to like maybe remind people that the reason you have like the, the way you build out a roster in MLS, the reason that you're successful oftentimes is because you can bring a Kellen Rowe off the bench is that when you have a bunch of injuries that there is a Kellen Rowe there to play, because if all you're relying on is unproven talent, you're going to get results that are much less predictable. And I think that's what the Sounders liked out of Kellen Rowe is that he gave you a predictable performance. Also, looking forward to this season, we're competing in four kind of different tournaments. He's going to play a lot again. Yeah. And I think that's probably a good thing that we have him to re- to lean on in some of those situations. Yeah. And yeah, I would I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think sort of uh, echoing both what you said that there probably were times where Kellen started over Josh Atencio and we'd all like to see Josh Atencio play more because those minutes are valuable or Danny Leva play more when he's healthy. But at the end of the day, like those guys got a good number of minutes. Kellen Rowe over one of those guys is not going to cost you a game at any point. And in more games than not I think Kellen especially down the stretch put in performances that were more likely to win you a game than do anything else um and yeah he's not the first choice at any spot on the depth chart in ideal circumstances but nothing happens in ideal in ideal circumstances and having a guy like Kellen Rowe who can be your second choice at six spots on the field is an incredible thing to have at your coach's disposal Yeah, I also think it's incredibly clear that the club is invested in the development of Josh Atencio and Danny Leva, and I don't think they would make decisions that would like purposefully harm their development. I feel like there's probably some motivations that we don't know about because we are not part of their day-to-day like training and development, but I think that there's probably a plan, and the plan isn't probably use Kellen Rowe to ruin those investments. Like, I don't (laughs) think that that's the evil mastermind plan that we're on. Uh, And and I I guess I, I... I harp on all this because I think there's probably a pretty good chance that Kellen Rowe is going to start against Montagua uh, yes. on Thursday. Uh, he started the last preseason game. Uh, we also, Obed Vargas started that game as well. So this was not like an ideal 11, but I think it's pretty clear that he, you know, Nico Ladero did start. I don't know that we should expect him to start against Montagua. It'll be interesting. Actually, that's an interesting one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised uh, if we see Kellen Rowe start, especially if new that new who won't have have played in a in a preseason game, I don't. Joe Paulo didn't play in a preseason game either, right? No. So, like either one of those guys might not start. Maybe both of them won't start. 
that which would be kind of a bummer but uh i'm i'm, I'm not i'm not, I'm not gonna be surprised if that's the way it goes uh and so like for all our all our excitement about what the Sounders ideal 11 looks like, I think we probably need to come to terms with the idea that that probably isn't going to be the starting lineup in the first game, which I think we all should have known uh, for one reason or another. Uh, This was a, a, like I said, the preseason was very truncated and it kind of came together oddly. And hope, I mean, this is a team that should still be able to, to advance out of this round. Yeah. When we see them, when we see these 11 players out of our selection of great players, when we see these 11 on the pitch, what do you think they'll be wearing? Well, that's a good question. Uh, the, the, the buzz over at Sounder at Heart has been, like, I got to tell you, I am oftentimes blown away at the ingenuity of the Sounder at Heart readers. And yesterday, uh, an eagle-eyed reader saw a, just the slightest peak of a of a detail of a jersey that Christian Roldan was wearing in a video for MLS in the background of Sean Johnson. That's the funniest thing is like you watch the video. If you watch the video all the way through, you might miss Christian Roldan being in it. But yes, he's there in the background. And and like and you and I'm sure you would watch it and you'd go, what am I supposed to get out of this? And if you zero in, if you focus in on his on his waistline, you see just just a hint of a checkerboard pattern. And that sent the speculation into overdrive. Uh, do either one of you want to describe some of the, what we, what we think we saw? Yeah. So it looks like you can see like the bottom, like inch and a half, maybe two inches of the center of the Jersey of that like hemline. Um, and it looks like there is a, an alternating checkerboard blue and green pattern happening. I think my theory, this is my contribution to the Jersey discourse, is that the checkerboard is not over the whole Jersey. I think it's in some kind of like racing stripe up the center. And so it'll be like blocked on the sleeves and the sides and the back and just straight rave green. Hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Tim, what do you think? I, you know, we're all absolute sickos. And I think that's (laughs) part of what makes the stuff we put out great. Um, I looked through multiple product catalogs from Adidas <laughs> for teams purchasing uniforms. And there's really not anything in last year's or this year's product line that looks like that. There is one jersey option that sort of has a diagonal slash down the sides that I thought maybe could create that visual effect of like if they use the rave green as those slashes and then extended off of that that could create that you know it looks like maybe a four to six inch wide space of what looks like a royal blue and rave green checker which that royal blue is a bit different from the blue we usually see in sounders stuff um you know a little bit brighter and a richer more saturated color um and then it's bordered on either side by just rave green so i thought maybe that could create that same effect but the most recent version of iax's home kit which is pretty pretty famous and they do iterations of it is you know a sort of vertically color blocked jersey where the center vertical stripe is red that um like the left edge of that jersey 
moves up the middle of their crest and on the right side through the middle of the Adidas logo, the side panels of that jersey are white. Um, I think some version of that where the center panel is the checkerboard makes a lot of sense, although it does give some strange like NES racing game energy. But uh, I think I think there's a scenario where it could look really cool if they use blue shorts and do some contrast details at the, you know, the hems and the cuffs. I think it could could be a really cool jersey. My the way I fall on this, this whole discourse is, first of all, I love that our fan base does this. Like, I I think it's awesome that we care enough to to like spend time talking about this stuff because it obviously doesn't matter. Uh but where I fall Wait, in, you say this doesn't matter. Like I, I mean, don't have input into the Jersey design after it's already been made and manufactured. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I mean, yeah, I guess that's, that's disheartening. That's, I, I know. I know. It's very disappointing, but I think where I fall is that too often the Sounders primary Jersey has tried to sort of manage to be conservative, but yet featuring rave green. And I just feel like those are two concepts that are completely at odds and the sounders should not be going for a conservative look at all with their like first of all your shirt is going to be a garish green there's only so much so conservative you can be like that you go back to like what was it 20 uh 20 20 uh 15 i think was the year that they had just the solid green they i think was the the only jersey they had for one year and it was just like a plain green shirt it with had like, like weird pinstripes right it had weird pinstripes and it had like these it had blue cuffs and that was like essentially the only design element and i i realize there are fans out there who like that jersey i assume there are fans out there who like this jersey but it's so boring and it's and it and it's it's boring and it's this ugly color like when are you like what is the what are we doing here I like to me only i think the only jersey that we've had that was kind of simple that actually looked good was the 2016 kit where it had the that little had s's sleeves. and the blue it had the little s's in the pattern yeah that jersey was great but i think that's the last one we've had that was good and also kind of like muted and solid in a way right but i feel like that's hard to replicate because once you've done a pattern and some blue sleeves you can't really do a pattern and some blue sleeves again or it's just yeah, the same it, jersey and i guess in 2013 2014 they, it was a pretty flat green and then they had like sort of like the silhouette of the space needle sort of like a hand-drawn space needle. that was kind of a cool look um i don't feel like it was super popular but it was uh it was a cool look uh but in any case i i feel like we've gone too. i i feel like we've aired too much on the side of being conservative or boring like the last two sounders jerseys were were i thought pretty boring but yet kind of ugly like neither one of them had pleasing designs there was the this is the watermelon so-called water watermelon and then like the camo paint one it was the uh, watermelon sugar jersey watermelon. i tried to make that happen and it didn't catch on but i yeah i mean it was a good attempt Thank you. uh but it just they weren't great shirts and so i like i kind of want to see the sounders like just go for it with the green jerseys go for yeah. it I've seen people compare it to like something that like a horse jockey would wear or like you would wear to like a garish horse event. Do you think that this is a clue for the announcement on the 16th? I mean, I don't know that it is meant to be one, but it sure feels like it could be because uh, 
I have yet to been able to officially the Sounders. I I was joking with the Sounders about like when where where is this event? Is it at Long Acres? And they said we don't. What, what are you talking about? Uh, so I'm about ninety five to ninety nine to. 99.9% sure that this event is going to be at the long old long acres racetrack, which if you listen to this podcast, you probably know that uh, we've been reporting that that's going to be the location of the new training facility. My assumption is that this new, that this big announcement is going to be mainly about this new training facility that I imagine uh, is going to open in 2024, which will be the 50th anniversary. And then there's all these other theories as to what might be going on there. Uh, I have not been able to, really confirm any of these theories but i think at least one i fully expect the jersey reveal to be to happen at this event uh the other thing that i think is reasonably likely is i think there's a chance the senators are going to like announce the process to redesigning the crest not rebranding they're going to be the seattle sounders i don't think there's any chance that's going to go away but i do think there's a a pretty good chance they're going to announce plans to redesign the crest I think I am the only person that likes the crest as it is. Like the shape is actually so hard to draw, but so very <laughs> fun and it's very unique. And yeah, maybe Those it looks dated, true. but like it's fun and it's mine. Um, okay. Yeah. We can move on now. I well, I, we, don't have to, we, we, we don't have to move. We can, we can sit on this for a little while. I think this is uh, relevant to the discussion. I don't think you're the only one that likes the, the crest there. I've been actually surprised at how many people, like wholeheartedly defend the crest in fact like they it's ours and we never want it to change i'm blown away by this thinking i think that the crest looked immediately dated like if not literally the moment it came out within a couple years of it coming out i like i i own lots of clothing that has the sounders crest on it i don't think it's a good crest uh Tim, do you wanna do you wanna be the deciding vote of this podcast Come on, on Tim. how we feel about the crest? You've got this. I believe in you. I will always love and cherish the memories oh and experiences tied to crest. But from the beginning, it has looked like it was designed with the Xbox partnership in mind. Is how I would describe it. I think that's fair. Um, even to the way that like the beveling of the edges both of the shape of the crest itself and the lettering and the space needle pretty similarly matches the beveling in the original xbox logo um it's it is something i think change is always a point of stress whether it is good change or bad change and we have seen some examples of pretty terrible logo redesigns in MLS recently. So trepidation from people makes sense, but we also have seen that the Sounders tend to get things right when they do them. So I feel like a redesign is probably in good hands. Yeah, I I think that's, to me, the problem with a lot of the redesigns have been that they've been sort of done in secret and they've sort of been like they maybe they they had focus groups that were uh like tightly controlled in terms of what they saw and so they they felt like they were they were getting a lot of opinions but they were kind of done in secret and then the crest came out and people had a reaction to it and i think what the sounders have probably learned hopefully what the sounders have learned is that they've seen a lot of the public failings most notably with the chicago fire 
who put out a crest that was so widely panned that they actually trashed it and started over again and then and I, I think, think they had to apologize like it was that bad yeah it was... they had to be like i'm so sorry for doing this to your club like we'll fix it i promise right that i mean that was a that was sort of an amazing an amazing thing oh also columbus whatever happened with them well they, i don't they think ended... anyone likes that logo either no one seems well that one definitely was unpopular as well that one also had some change because originally they were going to drop the crew name from the from the whole brand yeah. Uh, they they went back on that. They added the crew back, and then they sort of tweaked the logo. But the logo essentially was like they, they got rid of the. Well, they had. What was crazy about the crew was that they had just rebranded, and the new brand actually I thought really worked, and people loved it. Uh, and so it was strange that they they redesigned a crest that had just been redesigned. But I guess they wanted to get the stink of of uh, of Anthony Precourt off the organization, and that was sort of their attempt at doing that. And instead, they created a whole new problem. But they they tweaked the, the crest, but they ultimately essentially kept it, and they they just kind of changed the name a little bit, uh, which was insane. Like I don't we don't have to get into this, but that was such a misplaced process. Uh, but with the fire, what they did is they they actually started over from scratch and they redesigned their crest, and they had a very public process towards redesigning this crest. And I imagine the Sounders, if they're going to do this, are going to do something very similar where they're going to kind of bring in a lot of feedback. It's going to be professionally driven. I don't think they're going to be asking fans to submit their ideas, uh, but I think they're going to get a lot of feedback and they're going to put a lot of like mood board type stuff together and try to come up with something that, that speaks to the community. And like, I'm okay with the idea of not employing the, the, uh, the space needle. I think the space needle ends up creating from a branding perspective, it creates some problems because I think anytime they put it on, anytime they tweak it, they have to get approval from the space needle to like to redo it. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose the space needle. I wouldn't be heartbroken over that. I don't feel like it's the most iconic thing about Seattle. I, I feel like our natural beauty is the stuff that should be sort of promoted. I, I think things to do with mountains and bodies of water and well we can't have a tree. I feel like that would just be we, do, we can't too have a tree. much drama. That would be One... I would... Uh, one thing that I, I think delineates whatever happens with the Sounders crest and a redesign from the other ones that we've seen is the, the place from which that redesign is coming from. And by that, I mean where the Sounders are as a club in this moment versus Chicago or Columbus yeah. or, you know, the revolution just redid theirs in a way that I thought turned out really well. Um, the Sounders at, you know, from the launch until basically shortly after Garth Lagerway came on really made a point of like, we want to be this global brand. We want to really, I think, trying to appeal to too many different people that were not the ones filling the stadium and traveling to away games and buying merch in the last couple of years. And I know that I wrote about it last year as they implemented, you know, new community outreach programs tied to the club's four pillars. I think that's right. Um, but the, the Sounders really seem to be one in a place where they better understand 
who they represent. And by who they represent, I mean the city of Seattle, but also the, you know, the, the people who don't necessarily live in the city proper, but still consider Seattle home or the place that they're from and really more directly connecting themselves to the communities that make up this larger metro area. Um, and so it seems to make sense that a redesign would be done with those things in mind and wanting to reflect who the sounders are and what it means to be a sounder through that crest, because that's the thing people are going to connect to the club going forward. Um, and it, it seems like the people in charge have a good understanding of what all of that means. And when they don't, they're pretty open to learning about it, which just generally doesn't seem to be the case through the rest of MLS. Yeah. And I, I think one of the, one of the constant pushbacks I've heard over the idea of them redesigning is people say, well, look how bad most of the redesigns around MLS have been. And, and I sure that's fair. Like we can disagree or agree about what we think of each of these redesigned crests. I mean, the Chicago fire are also really bad at soccer. So I mean, right. we have that on them. So you'd think if we redesigned our logo, it also wouldn't be as bad as they are at soccer. Right. And, and so I, I think that, you know, I think there's some value in, in like Beth's perspective. There's definitely value in Beth's perspective, which is I love what we have now. I don't feel a need to change it, but if the perspective is I don't hate what we have now and I'm worried I'm going to hate what we have in the future, that to me is not, that's like being scared of success a way that's like saying I'm, I'm very satisfied with mediocrity. And I think if you look at the process by which they're going to end up with this new training facility, it's, it's kind of similar back in 2015, they were all ready to make a, a sizable investment into Starfire. Uh, they were going to, you know, add locker rooms and they were going to kind of beef up Starfire stadium a little bit. And they were going to sort of like put money into the facility that would potentially make it a longer term home. Well, I think what we saw over the course of the next six years was that MLS really raised the bar for what was expected from a training facility. And if the Sounders had invested tens of millions of dollars into Starfire, I think they would be at a very similar position that they are now, which is still thinking about having to reinvest this money. And so instead of sort of wasting all that money back in 2015, they're able to make a little bit more of a clear-headed decision about what they want their brand to look like or what they want their home to be for the next 50 years, uh, potentially. Uh, this is all sort of time to be with the 50th anniversary of the club's founding back in 1974. Uh, and and I think it's it's a, it shows a lot of the forward thinking that Garth sort of brought to the organization because my understanding is Garth basically said, look, we shouldn't make a eight-figure investment into this facility if we don't think it's going to be our home for, you know, for a long time. And, and I don't think anyone at that time figured that it was going to take six or eight years to actually get that new home. But I think the, the thinking was in the right place, which was, if we're going to make an investment, let's make the right investment. Let's do it the right way. Let's get the thing. Let's put like more money into a longer-term project than less money into a, a Band-Aid fix. And I imagine that's sort of the ethos that's going to drive, you know, if, if they, uh, again, we don't know that this is what's happening, but if that is the thinking behind a redesigned crest, I think that's sort of what, that's the sort of the same kind of mindset I think that they're going to have, uh, which I think, I think is exciting. 
I think I won't be too offended by it as long as it's not a circle. I think the circle crests, while they may look good as like your Instagram avatar, like they just, they don't stand out. I would totally agree with that. And I say that as someone who is wearing, which I think is a very well-designed circular uh, crest of the Oakland roots. Uh, I write for a blog that has a circular crest uh, in center at heart. Uh, SB Nation, in fact, built all our crests around circles because that was very in vogue in 2012 or whatever it was when we did all these logos. Uh, but there, it's not uh, the way it is anymore. And I think a variety of shapes is a good thing. And hopefully the Sounders, uh, if they redesign this crest, they, they have a unique shape that, that stands out from the rest of the, the crowd in MLS. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really looking forward to what, uh, what all is going to happen on February 16th. I, I haven't seen plans. I, haven't, I, I don't actually know what's going on. But I, I think this is potentially a really fun way to sort of kickstart the, the 2022 season that has been uh, sort of sneaking up on us up until now. Yeah, I think my main takeaway is that I might need to start hoarding gear with the old logo on it. Well, like I'm just going to have to get boxes and boxes of Sounders stuff. There you go. There you go. That'll be my new project. Yeah, well, uh, I think that's probably a good place to, to call this a show. Uh, thanks, Beth and Tim, for uh, hanging out and talking Sounders. I suspect we're going to do another show on the 16th, uh, maybe even live from, from whatever, wherever the mystery place this event will be held. What if it's uh, in the metaverse? What if it's in the metaverse? That would, can you imagine? It's all like a, that it's, would, <laughs> it's that actually a virtual. Discount, it would discount all of the things that I just said. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually not getting a new training facility. It's going to be a virtual training facility. The Sounders are investing heavily in the metaverse. Yeah, exactly. And Facebook is our new kit sponsor. Oh, right. no. Don't speak that into I'm existence. I'm sorry. Meta is our new kit sponsor. And we're going to be putting they on a line of NFTs. They in Seattle. They're a local company. Right. Exactly. I take well, it back. I take it all back. I know. I know. This be is what you get you... for doing a bit. Right. All right. Well, uh, with that, we will catch you next time. Uh, this is the Sounder Art Podcast. <laughs>